Hello there. And welcome once again to the Scott and Lost Show. Howdy do. As hosted by Scott and I've got to make sure I don't overdo these jingles. Well, no, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously, we've recorded them. They're damn well going to get included at some point, but just I don't want to overdo the jingles. Do you get me, bruv? I'll get you. I can think of nothing more heinous than that to overdo it, a jingle or a series of jingles. Not sure. But at the same time, it, it, it's something that came from us. So, you know, how bad can it be? I know. Yeah, I know. I don't think anyone will be campaigning to bring back capital punishment for you and I if we put one too many in an episode. Maybe corporal punishment. Right. And now we're on to day three and, and the final day of this honourable festival of, of mentions that we're doing or i'm doing and um <laughs> of course that can only mean one thing as i said before it's the final day we're, we're going to make sure it gets closed out in style with the absolute headliner uh, my favorite band of all time uh, without question so I, I guess i need to make sure sufficient time is allowed for that and i'm delighted that Luz is also a big fan so we can we can discuss oh that for one. sure but uh, what did i say at the end of the last one you know don't don't go off and get too ruined because, you know, we've got day three. So let, let's say you did get a bit ruined. Uh, trust me, this band will boot you into the day, and no mistake. Um, so this is the first band of day three. Uh, and they're, they're a band who are very much up-tempo and crazy and diverse. And a, a band, I think, more than some of the others I've spoken about, have sort of broken more into the mainstream, really. Or at least they're a band that people are aware of. Because they are absolute powerhouses, really, in the rock world. Or at least who were for a period of time. And Lars, I'll go see if you can name this band. I don't think you will, based on what I said there. Yeah. Um... <laughs> you, know what we said? you know what we said last episode about a very divisive vocalist? Oh, that, yes. That uh, it does. Um... Uh... <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um... Oh, my God. Well, I, I oh, get this, the... is, this is great for the listeners. I uh... get the feeling you're thinking of the right band. Yes, I, I, I know. <sighs> so annoying because I can't, I can't get the name of Sigaross out of my head. But that's that's the band we were talking about earlier, isn't it? Yes, this band's quite far away from that. I'll just say it; it's not a problem. It's the Mars Volta. It's not the Mars Volta. God damn it! I was just about to say it's not the Mars Volta, is it? Well, it is the Mars Volta. Um, and again, I, I kind of some listeners may have heard of this band because they. they you know, are really quite well known, I'd say. Uh, or like I say, they, they were for a period of time because they disbanded some time ago. But, but I, I can't believe they haven't made my top 10 either, to be honest, because mm. in particular, their debut album, which is called Deloused in the Comatorium, is an absolute goddamn masterpiece. And it's an album that has like a, how can I put it? It's kind of got this air of magic about it. I mean, I, you listen to the opening intro that kind of goes seamlessly into the opening track they go together perfectly and it just yeah it's it, something it's hard to describe it feels like something special almost something which transcends kind of music and has this like aura of energy around it and like you know magic it feels magical somehow and it's hard to describe you may not get the same feeling at all if listening to it but they go together perfectly and funny enough uh robin if you're listening I'm pretty sure it was you that, unless I've completely misremembered this or got the names mixed up, I'm sure that Gaz was talking about you two listening to this record on Spotify. 
and the free version of Spotify. So you can see where I'm going here, can't you? The intro and then the way it builds and then advert. And so it broke up the two. And, and apparently, yeah, Robin was just like, it, Gaz was genuinely concerned for his safety. You know, he'd never seen someone in such a fit of rage. You know, someone that he thought he knew just in, in <laughs> completely overcome with murderous hate. Yeah, which I can understand, actually. Because, yeah, I can understand. Yeah, it, it's well, we talk about bringing back the death penalty. Uh, you know, mm. it, it, those two tracks should have just been recorded together really and released as one but i can understand why they weren't because you know it was the album was recorded pre spotify playlist kind of advertisement revenue world you know yes and so it would be seamless regardless but unfortunately these days no that doesn't necessarily happen so yeah and I, also I, the, those adverts are you know offensively inane as well yeah they are they just well i think they're almost designed to irritate to almost like yeah to get you to pay for the full thing to take them off yeah yeah like at the, it's on one with one hand it's like beating you to the end of your tether and at the other it's like cajoling you into just signing up it's yeah, um, yeah. anyway we Work can't have me. a go we can't <laughs> have a go at spotify are we having a go at spotify uh, I no i i i i suppose whilst we're you know pros and cons of spotify one huge pro of course is is the um but we're on it uh, we're on it yeah the, no, oh God, what's the word I'm looking for here? Exposure probably is the word I'm thinking of. That if it wasn't for, for Spotify, people wouldn't have been introduced to some bands. They've gone onto a door and, and then get, go and buy the works of in a physical copy or whatever. Good I'm going to I'm gonna have to chop half this bit out, I think. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're, just, well, we're just two mates talking now, aren't well, we? We'll, we'll keep the bit in about the murderous rage over the, you know. The... Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, the, I mean, Deloused is an album to be listened to without distraction and certainly without advertisements being shoved in between tracks, you know. And yeah, so let's let's talk about the the voice of the vocalist Cedric Bixler Zavala, who has like a, a very high pitched voice that I'm sure it immediately is off putting to many. It's it's very distinctive. Could be seen as very grating, I imagine. Mm, and, certainly I mean, unique. Really, it's the kind of thing I would probably typically hate but it just it, for me it fits so well with the energy of this music and and I can't describe why I love it like I do really because like I say the vocalist will make or break a band for me and I'm very opinionated uh, if you haven't gathered already and I can't explain sometimes why I love one vocalist and then find another difficult for example I should really dislike Brian Ferry or David Sylvian, the vocalist from Japan, but I love them. But then I find the likes of sort of David Bowie's voice much harder to get on with, or even Peter Hamill. Mm. Um, I think because that they're more strained, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But I love the energy Cedric brings to an already very energetic band, and so that's that's probably my pick for their albums. Mm. Having said that, Ross, I must quickly mention Francis the Mute and Amputecture, the two subsequent ones that are almost as good, if not as good. In fact, Francis the Mute kicks off with a track called Sickness, Visman Cygnus. <laughs> not sickness, Cygnus, as in C-Y-G-N-U-S, uh, as if I know what that means. Um, I just think of Signet, which is a baby swan, isn't it? But um, anyway, well, I don't think... Sigmus is, is surely in reference to Freud. No, that's Sigmund, isn't it? Not Vismund. It could oh, be. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, sickness. It's it's not a song about swans either, or indeed a swan <laughs> song. Hey. 
in, in some ways, I'd say if you've never heard the band before, listen to that song, Cygnus, Fisman Cygnus, because or the start of Deloused, which we've just talked about at length. It's it's magical. I can't put it any better. It's magical. They're kind of a band that, are, again, you know, I'm almost afraid of coming out with my bold comments, but hey, that's, that's part of who I am. I want to say this, so I will. I feel like they're almost the modern Led Zeppelin in terms of just not, <laughs> but they they sound very different but the the energy the aura is very similar mm. it's it's and that's what i'm focusing on there not the the actual sound the tone yeah yeah but but just the vibe and you wouldn't see led zeppelin necessarily as mentioned spotify again you know led zeppelin probably wouldn't come up as like a artists who listen to this listen to this or you know recommended similar band but i i i can see similarities between the energy that Led Zeppelin would bring to a live performance with Robert Plant, who another um, person who lives very nearby, Lars, mm. uh, or, um, you know, Cedric and the Mars Volta. You know, I can see them in the same light. If anyone else can, let me know. Or if you can't, <laughs> let me know why. <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, they, they've they certainly got a, a chaotic energy about them. That's something that I've always admired. And as you say, the the vocalist is is very unique, but I think it it, it suits their style. But the, the the thing that I can't seem to get away from in my own head is I I can just imagine my dad or someone like that who, who was not exactly a, you know other than um, classical music, uh, it didn't really have a great range with music, and I I can just hear him saying they they sound like a, a band in a suitcase getting kicked down the stairs. <laughs> Yeah, I can understand that. They are a racket. They're just a beautiful racket. Mm. There's a real sense of momentum in a lot of their work, you know? They're, they're cacophonous, but they're, they're calculated and very melodic as well. Um, mm. they're, yeah, they're, they are a hard one to pin down. I, I don't know what you'd put them in as a genre. I mean, most people would probably say progressive rock or progressive metal, but they're, they're all kind of... Um, uh, no, it's not New Mexico, is it? But uh, they've got a Spanish American influence. You know that they're they're from. Yes, some, yeah. They're from, uh, they might even be t- sort of Texan, or uh, I know it doesn't sound Texan, but I think they're from that kind of general area where mm. there's a, there's a Spanish kind of influence. Maybe it is New Mexico or something like that. Um, oh. I should I should have looked this up. Maybe well, I'm just thinking I... of New Mexico because I'm thinking of Breaking Bad in Albuquerque. Yeah. And Los, no, yeah, Los you, you... <laughs> Um. Yeah, you, you, you're definitely right there. Certainly a Latin. I would almost say potentially even at times like a, a South American sort of vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're very diverse. Very beautiful. I, I don't even know if I could learn one of their riffs to to play, to be honest, because Omar Rodriguez Lopez, who must be name-checked um, whilst we're talking Indeed, about this what, band. What a name. I know. I don't know. I, can't, I couldn't really necessarily think of a particular... I, I might just learn a riff somewhere and stick it in. But it, it, again, as... I've done with the past bands it won't do them justice it's just a little like you know two second snippet or something and it's just yeah. fun for me it's a nice a way to of... sorry go on I was gonna say a little bit of seasoning on the side of your plate yeah yeah it's the garnish you know on the, mm. on the discussion that we've had and it's also a nice way to include the band uh, and at the same time cheekily circumventing any kind of copyright licensing issues yeah and as we've mentioned, Mr. Rodriguez Lopez, and, and again, what, an, what a name. Um, I'd just like to point out that uh, essentially that I've remembered that he did a solo album uh, called Apocalypse Inside an Orange. The it's Apocalypse always Inside of an Orange. With me. Yeah, mm. I, think, I think I've got it somewhere. Oh, you definitely have. 
well, you had it at one point because I was I was there to observe it. I'm looking at amputecture, Mars Volta. Yeah, I, my CD collection has diminished quite sadly down the years. And in fact, I, a lot of my stuff I kept in uh, underneath the decking in my dad's garden for about a year. And oh, God. Although I'd, I'd gone to great lengths to sort of quadruple wrap things and make sure it was waterproof and resistant to the elements and stuff. Sadly, a couple of things, well, I say a couple of things, half the stuff still perished. Uh. And, and much of that was my CD collection. So... Uh, my book collection is definitely bigger than my CD collection now, and it's you know. But I kept kind of some of the just the cases, as weird as that might sound, mm. just because it's nice to to just to just look at them. You know, we talked in the first episode on music, the prologue, about the journey we went on. You know, through different bands, and I can see it when I look at these because I can see mm-hmm. a lot of the really early albums that I owned that I've still got, and then, funny enough, many of the more recent procurements have been the ones that have, are ruined. So. Yeah, I, I probably owned the apocalypse inside of an orange loves, but I can't see it right now. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the Mars Volta, what a band. What a what a band to kick off day three with. What a band yeah. to, to open. Now, there's not too many bands in day three, but again, like I said, I've just tried to be conscious of time because we've got a headliner coming up. But should we keep up a bit of a high energy? Oh, let's. I wouldn't necessarily call this guy one of my favourite artists, but I just kind of want to mention him quickly because like the sort of joy his music brings, um, mm. it's, it's funny, it's entertaining. I don't think anyone could listen to it and not say that was entertaining. And again, it's a solo artist. It's an American dude by the name of Lewis Cole, spelt with an O-U, as in like Louis C.K. As in King Louis. Yes. And I mean, I laugh every time I think of the name Lewis Cole just because of those compositions which are just kind of uplifting beyond belief, really. Again, if you kind of wanted something to pick you up after a bit of a shit day, I'd try one of his tunes, to be honest. Maybe start with one called, like, F It Up, which kind of starts off slow, and you might get 20 seconds in and think, "Mm, really, but trust me, stick with it, uh, because it springs a nice surprise, doesn't it? And then... certainly does. If you like that, Thinking is maybe his most popular tune. Uh, which, yeah, hard to see why not. But if you're still interested, move on to a track called Mean It, which is by some distance my favourite he's done. It's got this mm. really, you can probably hear the smile as I'm saying this. It's got this a- aggressive funk vibe, I guess. And weirdly, it carries quite an important mantra in the lyrics, which is basically, you can do what you want to, you can be what you want to, you can say what you want to, but mean it. And I love that. I feel like that's just true to living life in the best way for yourself. Sure. Do you get what I mean? Mm. I think if we all carried that mantra into life, it wouldn't necessarily suddenly make us fascist, racist, whatever. It would just make Mm. us honest and it would make us healthier as a result. You know, people are meant to just whatever's in them that needs to come out to get it out. So, so that honesty to carry that, you know, it's like Larry David and Kirby enthusiasm. Um, That's how life should be lived in terms of just getting things off your chest, being honest with someone about something, not stifling a comment or even withdrawing or holding back a comment entirely because you're worried about how it might be perceived. No, just just be yourself, be honest. Yeah. So I, well, I think but, that, that's almost a little bit like what we're doing here. You know, I, I think there's a, a, a time where we could have picked certain different bands or certain different films to, to try and be cool or, or even edgy or whatever. Uh, no, this is this is real people with with real opinions, and um, yeah, I hope that's coming across to you. 
yeah, and, and that's why, you know, I'm happy to hear Marvel come up for Lars. And, and by the way, we've we've started the process of watching the films from our combined watch list. And we've got through one each so far, haven't we? One we was have. A, one was a Jim Carrey film. One was a Marvel film. Mm. So, and I'm looking forward to getting through the rest of the Marvel films, Lars. And I'm glad that you've brought them all up. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love this mantra of just be honest, which Lewis called. Mm. But I mean, yes, it's sort of buried underneath this ridiculous funk. So, I mean, he's hilarious and he, a multi-instrumentalist, very talented guy. And I suppose one mention, one artist to bring up in the same breath again would be a guy called Mark Rebier, who's, again, just pure enjoyment. He's got this like setup with a, a looping station, much like Beardy Man kind of has, if you know Beardy Man. <laughs> and just sort of improvises everything and comes out with these hilarious, funky, catchy, just, yeah, improvised pieces. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I'm mentioning these two uh, because of everything, everyone I've talked about, Lewis Cole in particular, I, I don't think a single listener could check out and dislike. Mm. I'd, I'd bet my testicles on it. Wow, that's that's really putting your balls on the uh, on the table, isn't it? I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there they are. <laughs> right. Um, right. Could we go back to metal now, please, Lars? Sure. Because we're in the penultimate act now of this festival so i think it makes sense to kind of segue towards metal again and again a band who are criminally underrated and um that's that's a band called intronaut (laughs) again you know for anyone that's listening that doesn't like metal please do just check out a track from each of these because it's probably not the metal you've heard and have been put off metal by that's my Mm. point because i'm very picky when it comes to metal I mean, I do like things like Black Sabbath, um, I, I, Iron Maiden, yeah, you know, but I don't mind. But then just the majority of metal does like d- does nothing for me. Nothing. But we're not going to spend the time talking about those bands, are we, Lars? We're, we're going to talk about <laughs> Intronaut. Uh, who started out with quite a doomy sound, I'd say, but have become much more upbeat and uptempo and, dare I say, much catchier with their last two releases. Mm. Um, I mean, the most recent of which came out last year, which does seem to be regarded as their best, including, you know, the band, which is called Fluid Existential Inversions. But my favourite is the one before that, um, The Direction of Last Things. And again, I cannot believe this didn't make the top 10 albums. I mean, the album before that has probably my favourite intronaut song on it called Milk Leg which is like the final two or so minutes of that are just perfection. Anyone that knows me on Facebook will have probably seen me share that, you know, just probably about four times down the years, like this bit. Oh. <laughs> like it just, it, it just touches my soul, you know? Uh, it's not heavy at all. It's just rhythmic and um, it's, it's hard to describe. Mm. It's quite one of my favourite sections of music ever. And I mean, again, you know, like I say, if Intronaut haven't made the top 10, what has? You know, we'll have to just find out, <laughs> won't we? But if you want a good introduction to this band, I would say, well, I talked about The Direction of Last Things being their best album. And I'd I'd say check out the first song on that because it's got a good video as well. It's called Fast Worms. And, you know, if you want to see a stoner dolphin getting in a bar fight and all sorts of things, um, that's that's your video to go. How could you not? And so, yeah, I suppose in summary, that's intranet, you know, keeping it short and sweet. I love them. I, I, I love them. They're one of my favourite, me- arguably my favourite metal band around at the moment. 
to be honest. Oof. Yeah, I, I can't honestly say I, I can pin down one tune of theirs. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to uh, sort that out. Well, just like the listeners, Lars, I trust you will go off and check out Fast Worms by Internet. If Indeed. nothing else, if nothing else, the video will entertain you. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And again, you know, I, I uh, very technical band, insane time signatures. I mean, there's a track. Uh, in fact, I can't remember what it's called, but I think it's track two on that album, the one after Fast Worms. That's got this riff towards the end, which. I just, I don't know how to make sense of it. I sort of have just just through the repetition of hearing it, but I've got no yeah. clue as to what's going on, like what the time signature is, what, you know, what, one bar of seventh, whatever, and then, you know, two of this. Uh, I, I couldn't sort of quantify it or write it down, but I guess just through having heard it about 600 times, I can kind of finally nod my head correctly to it rather than just looking like a complete and utter melon. Um it's really hard to describe. They're, they're a very technical band, very, very mm. time signatory, but then the melody carries it, so it's not so much about that. They're, they've got two vocalists, both of which kind of can do clean vocals, which is nice. And another thing I particularly like about the band is they put their bassist front and centre. The, the two singers and two guitarists are like either side. And then, yeah, you've got the bassist. I think he's called Joe Lester, who um, plays with the fretless bass. He's just a legend. There's something about him that reminds me slightly of you, Lars. I don't know. Maybe it's just like the kind of vibe he's got. He's definitely a legend then. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's probably just that, isn't it? <laughs> Lars is a legend. Yeah. He used to be, yeah. yeah. Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, Lars. Yeah. You know, legendary. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I almost want to name check all the, all the members of the band. But the thing is that they, they did have my favourite drummer probably around at the moment. But sadly, he left for... Just for well, quite personal reasons, really, which I won't go into. But um, mm. they've they've got a new drummer now, who is about probably as good as I think a replacement they could have found. But he's still not the same. It's it's I, I fail to see how they could release anything else now that would that would stack quite up against the direction of last things for me. I think that was like a perfect equilibrium of the band members, and it just caught them mm. at their at their peak, as it were. And Devin Townsend, I think, produced it or mixed it or something. So anything with his involvement get, gets an extra point as well. well funnily enough, not not to uh, to force your hand or or indeed to jump the gun, but we're we're going to be talking in a minute about another band which which featured a, a shake up of uh, personnel that 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 somewhat affected the. Uh, not necessarily the quality, but the, the tone and direction, perhaps, of the band. I would say the quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, yeah. The, nice, nicely done, Luz. And in fact, yeah, as much as it would be beautifully smooth to go straight into it, I do have to ask whether we can just pause it so I can go to the toilet. Because mm -hmm. also, um, I, you know, this band are going to take some time. So I want to make sure that I'm not crossing my legs throughout. <laughs> yeah, yeah by, yeah. by all means. All right. Right, thank you for that, Lars and everyone. Um, mission accomplished at, at the urination station. <laughs> right, let's reconvene. So, uh, yeah, we are we are now at the the headliner of the entire festival of mentions, and with that, of course, my final mention before the top ten albums, Lars. Mm. Um, so, yeah, to, to close out this little festival and send everyone home in high spirits, I hope. Uh, and in fact, I, uh, if, if you are on your way home now, pull over for a second, uh, if you can, as I say this, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, Lars, these guys didn't make my top 10 albums. I know. 
which yes, is shocking course. because they, they did mine. <laughs> I know. I said that as if there was any shock value to you, but I told you this a week ago, didn't I? Um, yes. And um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe they do make my top 10, but I've really thought about this. And as it stands, they don't. So, you know, that's all I can say, really. They don't. Mm. And of course, you know who I mean. They're, they're my favourite band of, of all time, I'd say. They're the band I discovered around the same time as Pink Floyd, which we talked about. Probably the band that have had the biggest influence on me. Mm. The band that really got me playing guitar. Um, the, the band oh, that, I think, that I think I owe the biggest debt of gratitude to. And I'm introducing this one, Lars, I'm sorry. It's Opeth. <laughs> so I don't know how I'm going to keep this short, really. But well, I'll, you're, I'll you're it, not. I'll give it my bestest. <laughs> this is a band that have been around since well, something like 1995, mm. and they kind of started out very much in the sort of death black metal scene. To be honest, two for two albums at least, um, mm. which yeah, the, I, I like moments on them, but overall, I'm not a massive fan. They're kind of they're almost like shanties, you know. There's there's a there's a pirate element I think to to a lot of that stuff and a certain production aesthetic with it and it just you know back then they were very young and just embracing the kind of black metal scene and just putting their own spin on it but those were not two albums that made them the band that i consider them you know mm. so yeah i mean after that is when they really started to do that and they and when they became the band that are kind of so celebrated in the world of just progressive music in general you know forget metal but because to lump them into metal would be overall to pay a bit of a disservice to them. You know, these guys have got fans in their fifties and sixties, likely beyond such as just the majesty of what they do. Yeah. Back mm. then with those early albums, they were very heavy kind of growling vocals, but I don't know. At the same time, they were done in such a way that you could still probably hear the lyrics and they did suit the music. I mean, like say, well, Linkin Park, um, you know, we mentioned back at the start of this music series, they were juxtaposed with like incredible clean vocals when they was. And again, from the same guy. Um, and I'll, I'll mention his name in due course. But yeah, this guy was like the lead guitarist and, and an incredible guitarist as well. You know, I cannot emphasize mm. incredible enough. <laughs> like, and before I do name him, I suppose sh let's just discuss what supposedly constitutes a good guitarist. Like, is it technical proficiency? Or speed? Well, not mm. necessarily. I mean, they, they fall into the same category for me. And no, I'd say it was, it's knowing what to play with that restraint we were talking about, but still still possessing that technical proficiency when required to sort of suit the moment and, and just getting that right time and time again over the course of like decades. And so let's name him at this point, Michael Ackerfeld, one of my biggest heroes. And um, you're a fan as well, Lars. Oh, definitely. Um, such a, a, a cheeky personality, but in a, in a good way. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did. He, he, he he's, had a he's, a, he's a music humor. nerd, isn't he? I think that's that's one of the, the endearing things for me is, you know, anyone who, who really like loves what they do and not just what they do, but has an appreciation for, you know, lots of different sort of genres and, and, uh, and types. Yeah, he is. I mean, you know, I mean, I know that his his work will get, you know, kind of pigeonholed into metal, but he's a fan of like ABBA, you know, um, mm. and then, you know, I don't know, the likes of Renaissance and bands like that of the sort of 70s. And I think he just kind of likes well, everything. And like you say, he's got a wicked dry sense of humour. 
uh, which you yeah. certainly see if you go and see him live. He, he's he's very much a stand-up comic, you know, between the songs, which is that, that extra mm. element. Yeah, he's, he is just a funny guy. He's got my kind of sense. He, he's got my kind of guitar playing style um, in terms of what just resonates with me and I love. And then I also find him just naturally very funny as well. He's got my kind of dry sense of humour. So oh, yeah. in more ways than one, he's just a, a hero to me. And that will come out, I think, in, in this this chat we have now as I kind of, we should just go through the, the career, really, the band's discography. Well, I was going to say, whilst, whilst I, I just want to jump in here, because I was actually watching an interview with uh, with Michael the other day, and I thought it was hilarious because uh, it was just a, a brief sort of uh, um, a brief section of a, a full interview where he was talking about. Um, he said, "You know, I, I've been introduced to several different types of music uh, through my daughters because he said, you know, when when they were growing up, I had them on rock and sort of you know ACDC and Led Zeppelin and that sort of thing." And he said, "They they like that then," and he said, "Like." Like all children, you know, they've grown to disappoint me. <laughs> and uh, he, he said, you know, it, it, going in the car, he said, occasionally I'll sort of let them put on something that, that they want to. And he said, it is sub music. You know, it's just like, I don't even consider it music. It's not uh, of any quality. Uh, it's just utter sort of filth, mind filth. Very true. Uh, but, then, but then also uh, um, he kind of, I think can because he has that holistic just love for like everything as long as it's got some like we use the word again honesty behind it you know mm. um, mean it <laughs> to quote Lewis Cole um, oh yeah and he I mean he he did say in I don't think I've seen that interview last but I've seen another one where he talks about the stuff his daughters are into and he got dragged along to see um, Billy Eilish Billy Eilish yeah and, and that's said, where I was going yeah and he said do you know what i can actually respect what she's doing it's it's not mm. necessarily my thing but i can i can hear something there something that's worthwhile something that that deserves to at least yeah. be out. and i totally agree and stephen wilson is again another you know hero of mine musically and i talked about him in the in um was it the the first episode the day one of the festival i can't remember now yes um, and he's the same, you know, he doesn't mind that sort of thing. He covered a, a Taylor Swift song recently mm. and, and half his fan base hated it. I didn't because, well, one, because I think it was a good cover, but B, because I just, I guess I'm just, I've got that kind of um, openness to all kinds of music. And I, I quite like Taylor Swift. It's a good tune. What's wrong with someone covering that? And just the stick he got from it. It amazes me that someone can be a fan of someone like Stephen Wilson. And then begrudge him for releasing a song like Terminating or covering Taylor Swift's Last Great American Dynasty. I think it was just, uh, you know, you're either an open person or you're not. And, and I don't mm. get how I don't get how a closed off person could like anything that Stephen Wilson's ever done. You'd be you'd be like your double glazing mate, you know, listening to that yeah. shite. So um, well, true. And, and also, I, I personally find with with a lot of things that. For me to truly enjoy something, I have to uh, resonate with the actual person behind it, whether it's someone playing a character as an, as an actor or even in terms of like a, a stage performer yeah. uh, or a stage sort of presence, you know, taking on a character to do your uh, musical performance. And yeah, yeah you, can, you, know. you can definitely resonate with Michael Eckerfeld as a person, as a character, can't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a video on YouTube where someone just like throws a Big Mac on stage and he just, but not in an aggressive way. Um, I think it was like he was joking about something and someone basically passes him or tosses him a Big Mac and he just like pauses the song for like, I don't know, <laughs> a couple few minutes and just eats a Big Mac. Like, 
And you would think, well, how's that funny? It just, it's, it's not only funny, it's entertaining and it feels like it was worth doing. Yeah, not, not, you, you not, had to be there, man. Not that I think he was like viewing it as any kind of performance. He was just being himself and he's just a naturally funny guy. Mm. So it just, just so many strands to that guy that I've got big respect for. Uh, although I probably wouldn't go for a Big Mac. But then he didn't order a Big Mac, <laughs> did he? It was, it was just given to him. Mm. The situation arose. So, yeah, but let's, let's go back to his guitar playing for a minute. Um, <laughs> because he was capable of shredding to some, some degree. And he, he, he did for certain solos and passages. But more importantly, he kind of understood what was best for the band. And again, it's the restraint required for that. In that sense, it's important for me to say that, for me, the best guitarists are really just kind of conveying what's in their soul rather than their brain. And so subsequently, it's like they're playing from the heart rather than just bypassing that altogether. And it's like almost being mm. a demonstration of what their hands can do, which means nothing to me. The likes of Joe Satriani, etc., Couldn't care less. Whereas Michael Ackerfeld perfectly sums up what I'm talking about here. He can do some of that stuff. Mm. Uh, and I suppose we talk about lineup changes. We'll get to that, won't we? Where another guitarist comes in and unfortunately brings a little bit too much of that shreddery into it. Yes. But yeah, Michael is, is my ultimate guitarist ever, like because he, he is that cross and understanding of the two and, and the perfect synergy, I guess, of that. So we briefly mentioned the first two albums, but really it's the third one where this stuff starts coming in. It's really the mm. cornerstone, I think, for them, perhaps more than any other album in their career, which is called My Arms, Your Hearse. Yes. The, the title being taken from lyrics by a band called Comus, by the way, who were a huge influence. But My Arms, Your Hearse has some of their best tracks on it. And <clears throat> I suppose if you're not into the metal side, this is kind of the first record that at least ventures at times completely away from that. Mm. I mean, just listen to the outro, which is rather fittingly called Epilogue. In fact, this, yeah, this track sums up what I'm talking about with his guitar playing, really. It's got this very technical riffing in it. But then these moments of restraint and beauty and oh, the fine, like the final outro, the sort of closer to the album, the this riff that just plays over and over. It's quite a simple riff. I could just listen to it over and over again forever and really i don't think i'd get bored of it it's, it's so beautiful mm. and I, well let's let's go on to the next album just again for the sake of time because and also because i just can't wait to talk about this album was um sure. they they followed up my arms your host with the album that um again i'll say this i cannot believe didn't make the top 10 <laughs> because it's my favorite of their albums i think I'm still shocked this didn't get in because I really you're shocked. It's, it's, I think it's their best album, which is called Loz. Can you name this? It's Still Life. Still Life. But, but yeah, my favourite album by my favourite band. And it, it genuinely at the moment it just hasn't made the top 10. It's very technical, very diverse. I mean, even he finds it difficult to play. <laughs> and so they very rarely play many songs from this album, in fact. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can learn something off, off it and stick it in because I have actually learned some riffs off it down the years. I've sure. been, a fan, been a fan of this band since I was like 17, 18. 
and I've you know been challenging myself to learn their stuff throughout that. And definitely the riffs off still live tend to be the harder ones. But mm. I can I can think of a good few off the top of my head that I can still play. A couple of things, tracks I can play from start to end actually on that album. So I don't know. I'll pick out a riff here and there and just insert them. Well, I mean, just just looking at the track listing now, I mean, there's 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 a, a good few that I'm thinking, oh, you could get a little bit from there. I mean, perhaps perhaps even uh, benighted or from uh, Moonlapse Vertigo. Yeah, um, yeah, I can play stuff off. In fact, yeah, benighted. Well, benighted is an acoustic track, so I can, hmm. yeah, I can I, off the top of my head, I can play quite a bit of that. That's Vertigo is a great track, really underrated. Yeah. I can play a bit off that. The more, I mean, that's like the first one on the album. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I always love Face of Melinda as well. You know, that that's a, such a track. Face of Melinda is amazing. Um, mm. A really good song to sum up Opeth. Mm. And then I really love, I mean, I, I just love all the tracks on that album. Godhead's Lament track yeah, is yeah. amazing. Um, mm. And then you've got uh, oh, Serenity Painted Death and then White yep. Cluster. The whole album's a masterpiece. A masterpiece! <laughs> and it's not uh, made the top ten. So How? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'll record some riffs here and there that just can sound all right, even if... Because the beauty of Opeth, really, and maybe the thing I love the most, is that these songs are usually pretty lengthy. I'd say minimum of eight minutes on the whole with their tracks. But yeah, yeah. They're, they're so seamlessly woven and, you know, the, the dynamics, you know, between the acoustic and the very, very heavy at times is just so smooth, so natural. And so for me to just pluck a riff here and there and, and insert it, I mean, I'll try and do so. I, I don't, I can't guarantee it's going to make you want to listen to the band or, or do them anyway justice uh, because it's taken out of context. It doesn't quite feel right, but... Yeah, I mean, there's so many riffs on Still Life that I'd love to just throw in. And likewise, their follow-up album, Loz, which is, well, I mean, to be honest with you, it's interchangeable with Still Life for my favourite. Mm. It's, it's arguably their groundbreaking breakthrough album, Blackwater Park. And probably the one I'd point people to first because it's very, very mm. catchy. It has excellent production, thanks to Stephen Wilson, actually. Uh, really? I said he was a good producer, didn't I? There's, um, there's a great documentary. In fact, you're talking about sense of humour, Michael's sense of humour, and indeed Stephen Wilson's sense of humour come out in this documentary because <laughs> people associate Stephen Wilson with deep melancholia and like, like he's the master of depression. I don't see it that way. His music can have that melancholic sensibility, but you, you see an interview with him and he seems a very content, happy guy. Yeah. And yeah, probably... Well, I, I don't even know if it bothers him, this mantle of just being like the master of that sort of thing. I, I don't think it bothers him. I don't think he cares. But in this documentary where he's working with Michael and Opeth on the recording of Blackwater Park, it's quite funny. Like both their sense of humour shine through. There's one bit I remember where they're, they're about to record something or try a new effect on something. And Stephen's like, turns slowly around to face Michael. And he's like, will this turn out to be a prodigy or a problem child? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, the way, it's the way he says it mm. and then and then michael's like how tight will this be and he's like as tight as a witch's cleft <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> but anyway 
Black, black Water Park is really uh, the quintessential Opeth record, I'd say. Mm. Uh, it's not hard to see why. It's quite possibly the best and it, understandably the most popular. For, for those that aren't remotely into metal, even though this band were very metal at times, as I've said, keep listening uh, to this because they did mellow in their later years. And I know a lot of people who are a bigger fan of the, the latest stuff. But, but sorry, go on, Lars. I felt a, an intake. Of well, I was going to say, in, in, in all fairness, I mean, um, you're far, far more tolerant of um, metal and death metal stuff than I am. I mean, you know, I, I sort of shunned bands like Lamb of God and uh, uh, really for the most part. And if you manage to make a convert of me to the point where uh, Opeth is not, not only in my top 10 albums, I'll tell you now, spoiler alert, it's in the top five. Oh my goodness! Squidward! Well, I don't, I don't want to guess at what that album is. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, see, it's just, just amazing, isn't it? I mean, yes. Like I say, they're a top one band <laughs> for me. They, they are, mm. they are my favourite band, and yeah, it's it's very strange thing to reckon with or come to terms with, from my point of view. That um, I really did sit down at length and try and think of what my top ten were, and I was looking at the top ten, and I was looking at the likes of Still Life and Blackwater Park, and I couldn't make a case for sticking them above any of those ten. Mm. I'd. I'd- almost if you if you permit me I'd almost liken it to my picking of endgame and almost no other mcu films because on their own there's there's you know things that can be picked apart and, and criticized and all the rest of it but the feeling i get from the the collective majority is so powerful and yet you have to accept that in album form or in film form that there are uh, things that manage to surpass it yeah yeah, and, and I think when we get to the top 10, which of course will be very shortly, then I'm sure you'll probably understand why, Lars, each one has kind of ended up somehow above Still Life and Blackwater Park and another Opeth one, which I'll get to in, in due course. Mm. Um, so, yeah, enough, I, I guess, on Blackwater Park for now. I'm sure at some point in this, I'll stick a riff in from now, I don't know. <laughs> But after Blackwater Park, just, I guess, because we've, we've got their whole career to talk through here, and I think it'll be interesting to talk through <laughs> their career because they've got a very interesting one. Oh, yes. After Blackwater Park, they, they released two albums back-to-back, um, a double album, if you like, although there was a bit of a gap a few months, maybe. And one of them was very, very heavy, called Deliverance. Mm. And the other one was entirely soft and acoustic, called Damnation. So Deliverance and Damnation... I mean, if you combine them, it's absolutely one of their best. I mean, individually, neither of them rank that high for me. Damnation, I suppose, would. I mean, let's talk about Damnation, actually, rather than dam- uh, Damliverance. Christ, my addiction <laughs> today. So it's, yeah, Damnation is absolutely one of their best albums. I mean, the first track alone, Window Pain. I'll insert the riff here. Mm. It's gorgeous. And then the verse kicks in. I'll insert that as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll include a couple of riffs off Damnation, actually, just so you can see what I mean, because it's, it's well, A, it's an album that suits an acoustic guitar, because that's how it was largely written and performed. Uh, and in fact, you know, whilst we're on the window pane, the first track, there's a riff towards the end, which is one of my favourites they've ever written. <laughs> Thank you. 
admittedly, when I insert these riffs, again, like I said, they're taken out of context of the whole piece and indeed the whole album. So, it, and especially for someone who loves the band like me, it does almost feel like sacrilege for me to do that. But hey, I've started it now. <laughs> You've started um, till you finish. Yeah. And, and if you hear any of these little short interludes and think, oh, that sounds cool, then that probably means you will love this band when you listen to them properly. That, that's, that's what mm. I'd say. And uh, right. Uh, let's. So, I, I talked about another album of theirs, The Pedestal, The Pantheon, The Podium of Opeth Records. Let's get swiftly to the, the the number three of those. Not necessarily number three as in bronze medalist, but just number three as in the third of the three that make it. It's really hard for me to choose the order of these three. Mm. Uh, I feel like maybe this would actually be number three, bronze. I, I don't know. If I listened to this album, I'd be like, bloody hell, this, this is the best thing they've ever done. It's, it, it's such as the, just the nature of my love for these three albums. Do you know what I'm going to say here, Lars? Can you name it? Uh, I can, but only because I've got Wikipedia open. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like your honesty there. Well, in that case, I'll name it. It's Ghost Reveries. Mm. It's the album that introduced me to Opeth, actually. And oh, it, it, this has got some absolute bangers on it. I mean, Ghost of Perdition, the, the, the one, the track that starts yeah. off, that is commonly seen as like their best song ever, very widely acknowledged as like the best thing Opeth ever did. You know, mm-hmm. if someone's being introduced to Opeth, it's like, oh, start with Ghost of Perdition. Make sure you start with Ghost of Perdition. And I think, well, it's yes, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It, it is brilliant. I'll say it again. But sure. I, it's not my favorite song on Ghost Reveries, to be honest. But it is brilliant. I'll say it for a fourth time. I mean, yeah, there's a track called Harlequin Forest on this album, which is my favourite on this album and quite possibly my favourite song they've ever done. Mm. There's there's just lots of great tracks on this album. Uh, uh, Baying of the Hounds is amazing. Beneath the Mire is great. There's loads of great stuff on this album. It's got... The, the tightest performance from all of the respective musicians. It's got the best production, probably. It just catches them in a in a flash of just everyone being at the top of their game mm. in terms of songwriting. Was, wasn't it and Baying of the Hounds was your start with Opeth? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it, this was the first album I heard of theirs. So, mm. yeah, Baying of the Hounds may well have been the first track I heard from that album because I, I didn't just put the album on for myself in order. No, I was. No. I think it was possibly even Ace. You know, like I was with Ace, and he put the album on, or or maybe Gaz. That would make more sense. I don't know. Well, let's put it this way: I I, I can remember a conversation in which you were like, the first Opeth song I heard was was Bang in the House. So, oh, okay. Um, well, I put yeah, I probably told you that when I could remember that it was. Whereas nowadays, mm. I, it's just it's it's left me. But what a track to start with! I would introduce yeah. I would introduce someone to Opeth with Bang of the Hounds before. Um, Ghost of Perdition. Mm. Personally, I think um, Baying of the Hounds is more palatable, more immediately likable, and actually a better showcase for what they're about. Well, I mean, I, I always had a, a real sort of place in my heart for Deliverance. The the title track of the album um, is one of oh, my yeah. favourites. Deliverance is is an amazing song. I mean, like Deliverance as an mm. album is one of my probably one of my least favorites, if anything, of their albums. But oh, the track Deliverance, there is no denying, is just an absolute beast of a song. 
Smith, and it's one they always play live. I mean, I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. Four, I've seen them four times, and I think I've seen Deliverance four times, uh, which tells you how much the demand for it and how much the band think of it and like playing it. You know. And again, we we were talking earlier about like boss battle music. I mean, what what a chaotic frenzy that that erupts into. Yeah, I mean, I, I might record the outro to Deliverance and stick it in, but then at the same time, I might not because again, taken out of context and performed on an acoustic, it just I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. Well, before I forget, you you, you know full well it's something that I, I mentioned last time. If if you're going to do me any favors in, in in any of this, I'm casting my vote for the Ivy because you know I I just love that track. So did you say Patterns in the Ivy? I did, yes. Yes, so, sorry, yeah, the sound cut out, or at least it did for me. Patterns in the Ivy is from Blackwater Park uh, yes. and is a, a lovely piece of acoustic playing. Very simple, but very, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely record that and put it in. Mm, please do. And I suppose just whilst we're still on the topic of Ghost Reveries, this was the final album with what I would call the classic lineup. Um, mm. Peter Lindgren, my you know, the, my favourite sort of other guitarist there's been in Opeth, and Martin Lopez, my favourite drummer there's ever been in Opeth, both bowed out after this album. Mm. And so uh, it's unsurprising really to learn that with the next album they they sounded a bit different you know that the lineup change had quite a big effect on this and um i suppose you'll find that after this album they become a much more diverse and mellow kind of progressive rock band which is unsurprising given their age by this point but mm. um i mean i suppose we've got to talk about well no in fact whilst we're on this topic i mean yeah th- these days they're not quite the band i once loved but i'm totally okay with that they're much older than me and understandably, have just mellowed, and mm. they've they've amassed a, a different fan base these days for having ventured into that more palatable territory in terms of less distortion and screaming. In fact, Michael doesn't really growl at all these days, apart from when he performs the old songs live. But well, I mean, it's it's got to have an accumulative effect on your vocal cords, doesn't it? And as someone who makes his living from singing, I mean, uh, you, you can somewhat sort of understand the yeah trying to move away. Absolutely. Does... I mean, I'm glad he doesn't growl anymore, apart from on those original songs, because I don't want mm. him to ruin his voice. He's got a fantastic clean voice. Yeah. But I suppose, I mean, the musicianship, this is the th- this is the big thing, really, the crux of the matter. It's not the fact that, like, there's no screaming anymore or that the distortion's been toned down. It's more that I think the musicianship has sadly become somewhat less inventive. And I think, like, he wears his influences on his sleeve a little bit too much these days with the, regards to maybe the classic 70s kind of progressive Mellotron prog stuff, which somehow was always in the band's DNA, but yet didn't come out at the same time. There is an album that is, well, um, it's a watershed between the heaviness and the previous brilliance, you know, with the capital everything uh, of <laughs> Ghost Reveries, and then the, the mellower stuff, which we'll get to, and believe it or not, the album is called Watershed, mm. which many didn't realise was actually a watershed moment in the band's career. Because, my God, this album is as heavy as they've ever got at times. I mean, it's the first track, Air Apparent. You know, we talked about Scott Walker, The Drift, in the mm. last episode. Well, Michael was very interested in, in that as well. 
because I got into Opeth when Ghost Reveries came out, I then went back and explored, obviously, their back catalogue and discovered the likes of Still Life, Blackwater Park. And then I had this, as I was now an ultra fan, you know, at this point, I had what felt like an agonising wait between, you know, that and then this album, Watershed, coming out, which was maybe about two years or something. Mm. And so naturally, as a super fan would of a band, you know, I was lapping up any like tidbits of information, any interviews, you know, I was Googling the band once a day, you know, to see if I could learn anything about this album. And I learned that Michael was very, very interested in Scott Walker. And in particular, like we talked about the direction of his career and the drift and, you know, what, mm. what, how, how does a mind get to that? And so Watershed is kind of loosely inspired by the drift. It starts with this gorgeous piece of music called Coil. <laughs> Um, and it's the first time they featured a female vocalist as well and it just works perfectly it really does yes and then it goes into the second track called air apparent which is just brutal brutal Mm. and i mean yeah you know without wanting to go into detail too much on any of these albums again for the sake of time there is a track on watershed i want to mention uh, which is called hessian peel yeah And I'd say, by all means, listen to that as an introduction to this band, a bit like Harlequin Forest or mm. like Luz said, Face of Melinda, because it is a great introduction to the to the very best of what this band were all about. And I emphasize were because let's move forwards. After Watershed, they did an album called Heritage, mm. which I mean, talk about an album that split a fan base in two. <laughs> yeah, because it I know the band will defend it to the hilt, but it, it did kind of come out of nowhere in terms of the juxtaposition between that and watershed, you know, arguably the heaviest. And so I can understand why it was largely hated. But here's the thing, and I've said it once before, but I will reinforce this because it's so important. I don't think it's for the lack of the distortion and brutality, but it's that the, the songwriting seemed to also deteriorate into like laziness. Like, it's hard to explain, and hopefully I am well enough. It wasn't the sudden absence of heaviness, but rather the ham-fisted composition of these songs. And that was really noticeable for me, above the lack of, you know, growling. Uh, I, I still, for the record, I do really like Heritage, but it does represent such a, a tonal shift for the band. Mm. And what bothers me, I guess, is it's the songwriting. It's I'm just saying the same thing about three or four times there, but it's just important, I guess, for me to make that point. It was never about the abstinence all of a sudden from growling or from turning it up to 11 with the distortion. It was much more about the, the song composition, which was a much more notable change for me. 
less fluent and much more well ham-fisted is probably the best way it's as if it was put together very very quickly i don't know if Mm. it was or not i say look i can't profess to be in the mind of this guy far from it michael akafel is will always be a musical hero of mine and i i i will never i don't think find someone who who writes music in a way that just blows my mind and connects with my soul more than the way he did mm. over that let's say the periods between my arms your hair and ghost reveries even watershed but here's the interesting thing i mean well no in fact sorry Luz, because watershed is such an important album in there in their career, I'd, I'd hate to move on w- without hearing what you think about it. I'm so sorry if I've just waffled through this. No, no, <laughs> you know, it's, it is funny for me because, hey, you know, as I say, I've got Wikipedia up. But for me, I'd sort of had the best of Opeth compiled into two burnt CDs by you. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not quite as au fait as I might be with what came from where. But the, the the pick of the litter, as it were, you know, to be to be selected in that way. I mean, um, that was such a, an amazing experience, and you know, they, they fit fits in so well with sort of at times in my life, and you know, coming back from certain events and and, and gigs and all the rest of it, and having certain tracks and and uh, be a part of that is you know de- definitely left its mark. But for me, I had I had Watershed as an album in the car. Uh, I think it's whether I'd bought it or not, but it's certainly um, one of the few that I've extensively listened to as an album. And so I've got, a, you know, a special place in my heart for it. Lars, it was an honour at the time to uh, record a playlist of like Opeth or, or burn a playlist, you know, of Opeth tracks to mm. CD for you as your introduction to the band. Uh, rest assured, I, I put a lot of love and thought and time into crafting that little playlist for you oh yeah i could tell and i think it's like a good not just well i mean i can't remember what songs were on it to be honest i can think of a couple that probably would have been uh, it's, it's a good introduction to the band and what they're all about but i suppose the point is that if you then go off and listen to their albums in sequence not necessarily in chronological order of the albums but i just mean each album from start to end yeah you'll get a feeling of just how good they are at uh, pulling it all together seamlessly despite really quite the seismic shift sometimes in tone and this is the point you see when it got to watershed you could almost well i mean you could hear that the new members finding their way but there was a lot more shredding from frederick and i just didn't like that at, at, mm. from the start i didn't like there was one good solo from frederick on that album the rest of it was just as far as i see it just mindless shredding does nothing for me um it was the last thing i ever wanted to be incorporated into opeth's sound and um so it was you know it was I accepted it, but it wasn't the easiest thing for me to come to terms with because I could almost sound like the start of the end for me with that band. But uh, and then they went off and did Heritage, which is very, very different. And yeah, it, it's got some good moments. But just, yeah, like I say, if you listen to an album from start to end, Heritage, I can't see many people getting through it, if I'm being honest, mm. especially not as an introduction to the band. But here's the interesting thing. I must have said that about five times now during this <laughs> band's career. No, but this is really interesting because for all I've just said, right, with Heritage, they did follow it up with by far their best of the quote-unquote new era. And like one of their best albums overall. I'd say probably top five of everything they've ever done with the follow-up to Heritage, which is called Pale Communion. Mm. I mean, again, it's still very much a different band. But it's a wonderful record. 
I mean, yeah, they, like I say, they've staunchly opposed this idea that I'm about to put forward. But it, it for me, it's kind of no longer Opeth at this stage, really. I, I consider it a slightly different band. Mm. When Frederick came in for uh, Watershed Onwards, there was like just this vibrato bollocks just coming into it. Whereas mm. Michael always, and Peter Lindgren, the previous guitarist, always knew how to just hold a note in a solo. And just it had so much more impact for that and the restraint, like I say. And yes, I, I always felt that the, the Frederick was a good guitarist, but almost like a bad fit for the band. You know, it would have. I I always pictured him being part of Iron Maiden. Well, he, know, that he, wailing sort of solo. Well, he used to be in Arch Enemy, and mm. it, and in that sense, I I see him less as a guitarist and more as a technician, if I'm honest. <laughs> really I mean, thought you were going to say like I think of him less of a guitarist and more of his twat. <laughs> I I wouldn't I, I would stop well short of calling him a twat. But if I'm being honest, I do begrudge him joining Opeth. It's not his fault. Mm. Uh, but but then it's important for me to say that I don't begrudge Opeth for, for like going in that direction. I'd I'd rather yes. I'd rather they took their own path than what I wanted them to in their career. And if anything, that only kind of strengthens Michael Ackerfeld as a musical hero for me because. I, I will always have that golden period I can listen to when the mm. stars and the planets aligned. And I mean, afterwards, I mean, like I said, Pale Communion is a great album, um, but the the others are largely forgettable. I'll, I'll make sure I include a riff or two off Pale Communion and it'll probably sound no different on here, you know, just hearing mm. it on here because there are some great riffs on that. River's a, a highlight. <laughs> There's, there's some great tracks on that album. It really feels like a cohesive album from start to end. Yes, it's got some little moments that are reminiscent of kind of what they were doing on Heritage. But no, this feels like much more of a, a worked out, a thought out, conceived, just much more lovingly done record. Mm. And I feel like, I don't know, I, I wouldn't dare speak for any member of the band. But I, it's, whenever they speak about Heritage and defend it, I almost feel like, is that really what you think? <laughs> it, 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 it's like Fleetwood Mac will defend Tusk to the hilt, but that was the album that everyone hated after Rumours. You know, mm. I, I quite like Tusk to be fair, but it's not, it's not as good as Rumours. It's not like Rumours is the classic. Well, could, could it be? I mean, a lot of like artists, their most famous album, I do actually consider the best. Like Thriller, Michael Jackson. Mm. You know, in our circle of friends, lives, everyone seems to love Dangerous. That's the one album of his that I like it, but no, I'm sorry, like. It, that his best no mm. like anyway we've gone from opeth to michael jackson yes but it's quite that, a leap well it is quite a leap but it's probably similar to the leap we were talking about in terms of what mm. to heritage you know so pale comedian is a wonderful album I'll, I'll make sure i put something off that here just to represent it but yeah at least uh, michael stayed true to himself and uh, he will always have my utmost respect for that yes and in terms of seeing them live uh, I, I have seen them live for for maybe five times, I think. I mean, Lars, didn't you came with me for one of them, didn't you? <laughs> well, it, as as you well know, I came with you for for at least one of them I can remember, and I I I didn't get to see Opeth, did I? <laughs> well, I, I couldn't remember. If, I I genuinely couldn't remember if you were one of the people that got kicked out of that. Oh yes. Yeah. All right. So, what shall I explain this, or shall shall you? Um. Well, yeah, um, I, I, I remember at the, at the time going uh, up the motorway and you'd revealed that you'd got several little pre-rolls for, for uh, just when Opeth were, were taking the stage. And um, I remember, I think it was Arch Enemy, actually, at the time that, that we're, 
on and you were like right okay we'll we'll we'll, we'll have a quick smoke now and then we'll be uh, it'll be ready for when opeth take the stage oh okay grand and um maybe my recollection is slightly different to that of others but i i can tell you from my memory that there were uh, some of us that were sort of being discreet and there were some of us that were sort of puffing plumes of smoke up into the air and um I, I am I am not a small chap by by uh, almost any standards of measurement, uh, so I do tend to be fairly conspicuous in almost anything I do. So uh, the first I knew of of anything uh, going on was when my arm was grabbed and I sort of spun round on the spot and I just had this bouncer in my face who just gave me this look of sort of I don't want to have to fight you but I will. <laughs> and I was like, right, okay. And at the time I thought, okay, I, I'm about to be arrested. You know, like no one's, cause I was driving as well. So I was like, no one's getting home. The gig's ruined. Like, and I just sort of marched straight to the door, straight out of the door, all the way around, like straight to the car park, got in the car and, and just sort of like refused to look back. Mm. And uh, I, I know a few of the lads ended up sort of stood outside of the gig venue trying to listen through like a back door. Uh, whereas you had uh, been super stealthy and, and managed to uh, to conceal your your smoking, and uh, and you and Gaz managed to stick around for for Opeth, but unfortunately, I had to listen to the album in the car. I, I do, I sort of vaguely remember. I do actually remember the manner in which I was smoking, and it was, to be fair, quite well concealed. But this girl came up and was like, "Oh, can I have a drag on that?" And then she wouldn't piss off. And mm. so I was worried that she was going to blow the lid on like what was going on. And then the next thing I knew, I turned around to the left and you and, and like someone else who I, I, maybe I shouldn't name was part of mm. our entourage that night, getting basically dragged away by the arm, you know, and I was like, oh, shit. And then I just kind of, uh, well, I, I, I mean, as if I can remember exactly what happened after that, because this is going back to at least 10 years, I'd say. But mm. Yeah, I, I did. I did at least get to see them. And this this was probably, I think, post-Watershed. You know, this was like the, not as in time of night, post-Watershed, as in post-Watershed, the album. <laughs> yeah. Not as in, like, after 8 p.m. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean that was probably the, the, the you know, a memorable experience for you, I, I'm sure. But the funny thing is, when I look back on Opeth, you know, I, I, probably the one I remember the most is, is well, why wouldn't it be? It was seeing them at the Royal Albert Hall. I'm, was... I'm really sorry, Scott. Uh, can I can I just because yet again I've had something sort of tumble into my uh, the forefront of my subconscious, and mm -hmm. it's it's a memory that needs to be uh, shared for, for the the prosperity of the uh, the human race. I think really because <laughs> um, afterwards I stand in the way of that exactly. How could you? I, I, after the performance, you know, people had sort of made their way back to me in the car because I just stayed there. And uh, I was I was chilling out and trying to sort of like calm myself down a little bit because I was I was still convinced that somehow they were going to have my name on record and I was going to uh, go home and there'd be a squad car on the drive and my mum in tears or something. Uh, mm. So you know everyone everyone's back and like everyone's in the car and they're having a good time and we were sort of in a, a bit of like a secluded parking area, uh, but it was quite close to the actual venue. Well, certainly not, you know, within sort of five minutes walk. I, I 
still sort of amazed as to how we managed to find such a perfect bunks. But which, anyway, which I think, which I think was what was the Carling Academy at the time in Digbeth, Dale yes, in Birmingham. Yeah, I think which, so. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. It's the O2 Academy now elsewhere. But yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there, there was there was again. I'll, I'll spare their blushes by not naming them specifically. But there was a, 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 one of our group that had decided the best way to uh, to um, sort of celebrate the uh, the evening's revelry was uh, to stand with his top half out of the sunroof whilst smoking a joint, as from the the sort of the dual track main road in front of us that we could see. I saw a riot van come towards us. And as they sort of got within sort of view of us, they turned their lights on. (laughs) I nearly died and had to sort of quickly just be like, get them in the car. And I sped off like as as safely as possible, but still um, out of this car park onto this dual carriageway and away and as we came out and onto the road and, and away, the, the right van, which I don't really, I think in, in all fairness, if they'd have been desperate to catch us, then they probably could have. Uh, they pulled in to the exact area where we were with the blues and twos going as we made off up the road. And I have never been so relieved in my life because I was just like, my Christ, unless they take off up this dual carriageway after us. Like we've we've just made a hell of an escape, was, and I just I just remember on. thinking like, for us to have been found with somebody like through the 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 skylight smoking a joint, you know, I I was just like there there would have been no no way of, of sort of talking around it, you know that that would have been it for for all of us. Well, wait, but was I sorry? Was I there for this? Yeah, you were in the back of the car, yeah, or I maybe even shotgun. I don't remember any of that. Yeah, well, it's isn't isn't that funny? But yeah, um... you know, maybe, honestly, maybe, maybe just because my run-ins with the law are, are probably more insane than that. Um, oh yes, yeah, quite. And I don't know. I just, I, yeah, that doesn't ring any bells. Whereas I do remember earlier in the night. See, I've, I the funny thing is, I think because I acted so quickly that I managed to get us out of there before anything happened. No, I, can, I think I it. Can... it I can imagine slipped. the sorry. The, the, I can imagine the gauntlet of terror in your mind, which you wouldn't forget in a hurry. Um, oh yeah. Whereas yeah. for me, if it was, you know, I'm not going to name anyone, but I've almost got a, an opinion of who it might have been in that party that night. Um, I can imagine that just being something quite normal for them, and so them being pulled yeah. down into the car seat, and then for, for them and indeed me, you know, ten seconds later, nothing had happened. Whereas for you, I can totally understand why um, that was a bigger deal. Well, as I say, especially as, as the one who was driving, <laughs> and I'm I'm a pretty chilled guy, and I instantly had to be like, get back in the car, <laughs> because I was so like this, you know. I, I as I say, I, I knew I was about to take off up a dual track, and I was like, I can't possibly have him like waggling away through the top of the car. Anyway, this has taken up far too much time, but I, you know, I do do love to give you uh, you all a little insight into our escapades. No, I'm glad to take that little trip down memory lane. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, the Opeth gig that I remember, and like I said, you know, briefly before, was, mm. you know, the, the understandably, you know, m- most memorable one, because it was, you know, my favourite band playing at the Royal Albert Hall in this yeah. epic, epic, like, one-off show where... They they played the whole of their. We talked about Blackwater Park being sort of a breakthrough 
groundbreaking mm. album for them, and they they recognised it as such. And I think maybe it was the twentieth anniversary of Blackwater Park or something like that. Blackwater Park yeah. was two thousand and one. So with that two thousand and eleven, was it ten years ago that gig? It could have been. Could have been, yeah. No, but that would only be a ten year anniversary, wouldn't it? Maybe it was. Maybe it was the ten year anniversary of Blackwater Park. So they played it in two thousand and eleven, which was ten years ago. It could have been ten years ago that gig. I really don't know. But anyway, I remember you agonising about whether to to get pay the extra and go backstage and meet the band and get to ask a question and all that sort of thing. That's that's really in my mind. Yeah, well, here's the stupid thing. I ended up paying triple what the tickets yeah. cost because, well, it's not too cheap in the Royal Albert Hall and I wanted to make a night of it. And so I was bankrolling everyone for drinks like whiskey, you know, mm. go, and, and, and I bought like a shirt and a hoodie and, and then I got a parking ticket the next morning. Not as <laughs> if I was parked right outside the Royal Albert Hall, obviously. No, I, I parked at my mates in Clapham and we made our way in from there. But I haven't parked in, in the right spot and I got done for that the next morning, shafted again. So I think that that gig, I don't know, if you count my my ticket for myself plus the alcohol, plus the merchandise, plus the parking ticket, between three and four, like, yeah, probably close to 400 quid, I'd say. Yeesh. So I'd have been much better off, yeah, just paying to meet the band and cutting my losses for another 30 on top of that or something. So, yeah, there we go, Opeth. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just quickly, I suppose, after Pale Communion, um, which is a masterpiece, they, they've done two albums since then. One's called uh, Sorceress, which I know the band are very fond of. Nah, mm. bit, very much like Heritage for me, Sorceress, not a big fan. And then uh, one called In Corda Venenum, which is latin for something and they released this album in english and swedish actually and yeah it's better it's better more along the pale communion vibe for me but um no of the new era if you like or sorry era loves um <laughs> by far the highlight is pale communion i'll say it again ladies and gentlemen pale communion you know if you're not into like screaming and distortion too much pale communion I said it again uh, is is a really good one to listen to um, it's just a really good progressive rock band but no um, I feel like I've said Pale Communion more than I've said the names of other better albums so ju- <laughs> just just to address that Ghost Reveries Ghost Reveries Ghost Reveries Ghost Reveries Blackwater Park Blackwater Park Blackwater Park Blackwater Park Blackwater Park Still Life 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 I feel like that's just readdressed the balance there Mm, yeah, the scales have, uh, have tipped. I believe so. So, uh, and I'll say it one more time, still life. <laughs> because I, I, <laughs> I, 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 um, I could have sworn with, uh, we started, uh, no, it was yesterday, wasn't it, with Sigur Ross. And I, well, no, we had mm. In Absentia by Porcupine Tree. And I was like, well, this is probably my number 11, if I'm being honest. Then we got to Tap yeah. by Sigur Ross. And I was like, well, uh, no, that edge is In Absentia. We'll put Tap it's number new 11. 11. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I, I think Still Life would be my number 11. You know, it's, it, it's yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It's fast becoming another entry in your drinking game. And, um, well, yes, it is, isn't it? But I suppose only for this episode, because we won't be mentioning number 11 again, I guess, going forward. Because or my, will we? My, um, my notes have got number 10 in sight for me now. And I'm looking at the name of that band and the, the name of that album now at number 10. And... 
to be honest with you, I still feel vindicated for it being there above Opeth. And I've just, I have just lovingly talked about Opeth with, with your good self for a lengthy period of time. Christ, this is going to be mm. a long, long episode. But I, here I am looking at number 10 and thinking, yeah, that deserves to be there. So uh, we will, I guess, Loz, uh, we'll, we'll close this festival out there. Is there anything Indeed. else you want to say on Opeth? Because there's so much to say about Opeth. I mean, there, there is so much to say. Honestly, as, as, as sort of cringy as it sounds, they're one of the, the few bands that I, I would genuinely, not that they're ever going to hear this, but um, I'd like to say thank you. You know, um, they, they've really made some, some beautiful music, some really affected music, uh, some great albums, absolutely, definitely some great tracks. And um, I, th- I think the world would be a, a worse place without them. Yeah, and um, as you were doing this, I've just typed up um, because we talked about Tack by Sigur Rus being up mm. there, up there as one of, um, you know, my favourite albums, maybe number 11. And Tack means thank you in um, Icelandic. And so I was thinking, oh, I wonder what thank you means in English, uh, in Swedish, rather. <laughs> I know what thank you means in English. I know. I know. I thought this might be a smooth little segue, if I, but I couldn't quite do it in time. You finished what you were saying, and then I was still halfway through typing. Oh. But anyway, thank you in Swedish is... Lars, do you want to guess? No, not without being racist, no. Oh, it's actually tack. <laughs> it's the same as I found it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to, to everyone involved in Opeth, I mean... Yes, I suppose I've still got to include Frederick and Martin Axe, Axe and Rock, the new drummer. Uh, I preferred the old Opeth, but just to everyone who's ever been involved in Opeth ever existing, um, I just want to say tack. <laughs> tack to you all. And, uh, well, tack to you, Luz. Tack yeah. to you, the listener. <laughs> this indeed, been, tack to you, Scott. It's been um, less bands on, on this day three, but I, I typically, as I thought, it would take longer. But that's fine. And oh, we're into our top 10 albums next. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for listening, as always. We yeah, thanks, you. guys. And uh, I, I just want to quickly uh, and finally kind of apologise again if, if I've dominated this little festival a bit. Mm. I know me and Lars have reconciled and are totally cool with it. It's just because I'm such a big music fan and i really wanted to talk about some of these bands and i'd love nothing more for you to check out some of these guys but hey if you've been tuning in for more loves than me so far then i i apologize wholeheartedly that you've been thoroughly <laughs> shortchanged over the past couple of hours i assure you uh that is to be addressed immediately isn't it loves with our top 10 and then going forward oh, that's it there's there's certainly some waffling from me to come but um my, my uh my scope of, of music certainly is, is is far less broad than scott and it it, it seemed uh unfair as he's really agonized over his choices and um i i almost struggled to pick 10 so <laughs> so let's let's wrap it up and then we shall we shall get into the top 10 uh the top 10 albums with the with the next episode which is what 12 is it 13 i don't know i mean on, honestly this is going to sound a little like twee but i genuinely i cannot wait i cannot wait to hear your top 10 well oh we'll have to wait <laughs> but I can't yes, wait. Yes, you will. It's probably going to be a week from now, isn't it, Lars? We'll probably convene as we mm. normally do on a Tuesday to record. And so, yeah, you've got a week to wait, son. 
and I've got a week to change my mind about seven times again on the yeah. order. <laughs> yeah. um, the, I'd say the top five are, are in order, but five to ten are very interchangeable. And so it really depends what I've listened to the most recently. Mm. But I would That's say music for you. I would say once again that I think the top ten is correct, just maybe not in the right order. Whereas um, it still amazes me to think that Opeth aren't in there because look at how long we just talked about them. Uh, yeah. And well, as I say, the, the, for them for them to feature in my top ten and not yours, I think that that really would be a, a shock horror moment for most folks who know you. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see when I get to discussing my top ten. We'll, we'll see if if I convey why they're worthy of of usurping my favourite band. Mm. So, uh, uh, anything else to say, Loz? Anything at all? Uh, <laughs> flibble gibbet. Nice. And may I um, respond to that with? FNAP. <laughs> right, FNAP, everyone. <laughs> 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 <laughs>